sadly, I've let you have a few dollars of mine that I shouldn't have because I plain forgot that I had subscribed here. I have to point out that you have lost your actual credibility as a few videos have some blown out facts that honestly made me question what else you may have had shoddy research on. Because of that, please, remove yourself from the internet. You aren't the greatest showman, you aren't even funny anymore, you are pathetic, just like your attempts to belittle a man who is now president, when last president would have been met with your racist comments. Now those same ones are taking their shots at him, when sadly he is probably helping you stay afloat, you fat fuck. Again, remove yourself, overweight and unfunny. You are past your prime, which was probably several years ago, when Obama probably gave you free stuff because you were so generous to make him look good? That does remind me to ask, not like I will get an answer since you are terrible and worthless, but regardless as this will be posted to several of your YouTube videos, where were the jokes and shots fired at probably our worst president? You know, the one that took vacations after vacations and ate $50 dinners per plate, mind you, all on the taxpayer's dime. Yet a man who is actually getting the economy back up and running, actually doing something when this pandemic hit the United States hard and has been working his ass off to deliver what he promised, is getting slammed because... Why? Oh, let me answer that for you, communist socialist that you are. Because you are afraid of someone exposing how ridiculous and pathetic you are. Go ahead and use this message for a video if you want. Don't include my name if you don't want to share the spotlight. I frankly could care less. You're pathetic and yes, I will be copying, pasting this everywhere you show up. And if a video is made with this and making fun of me, sure, I don't and couldn't care less. But this will be posted there in its entirety for the world to see that you probably will chop it up and be pathetic by changing it to sound like you are spot and I'm the dirty one. I would call into question digital homicide and how they should have won, but sadly, that bit is spot on. The other bits, please, just remove yourself, sack of shit. So, I have a lot of problems with this. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of places I could start, but can I start with, like, the one that stuck in my head the most? Because, like, this is the best one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The point he makes about... If I if I if I understood this correctly, Obama taking holidays. <laughs> we have a president right now who has spent like oh, literally yeah. two thirds of the days he is in office at his own golf club at huge expense to the taxpayer, considerably more than Obama. I, I know that it's weird to get hung up on like one thing. There's a lot wrong in there. Well, no, it's true. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is when I when I said to oh. Justin this morning, "Hey, do you want to read something funny?" Um, I passed him the, the my phone with the message on it, and he went through it, and um, and he said, "I thought he was talking about Trump until he said fifty dollar dinners. That's too cheap." Yeah, that was the same thing. It's what? No, well, it's too expensive. He likes his KFC. Oh wow! I mean, it could go that, but then he's going to have more than fifty bucks of KFC. Well, yeah, there's that. Half of it he will just fling at the walls. He he t he enjoys the flavor of waste. Oh. But anyway, that was a fun message I got last night, sent twice to make sure I didn't miss it, um, from someone who you know 
I thank for their support these past few months. Um, you know, the Jimquisition thrives off of the support of the viewers. So for them to contribute, <laughs> even for just a brief amount, um, you know, of time is something that I'm very, very grateful for. And uh, thanks for the money. <laughs> so I thought I'd share oh. that. Um, I didn't read the bit where it starts talking about killing Scott and not feeding the dogs and their skin being itchy tasty. But... You got the general gist of it. I I just can't. I'm sorry. I can't even I... interface with it. <laughs> I, it's exhausting. I'm exhausted hearing it. I think the pandemic's getting to us all. I think clearly some people quarantined up. Uh, nothing else to do. I mean, I've I've been sending very similar messages on an hourly basis to uh, Dave Boreanaz, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I feel like Jim. This is the moment where I should probably apologise. It was me who sent that message, and I'm very sorry, Jim. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit pent up. I'm stuck in the, all these walls. I've got nothing to do but, you know, be stuck at my computer, and I just didn't think about it. But you are gonna, you are gonna follow through on posting it on every video Jim ever makes going forward, oh, of though, course. right? Yeah, no, I've apologised for it, but I have to be a woman of my word. I have to post it on every video you ever do for forever now <laughs> everywhere i didn't truncate it by the way i don't know what he thought i'd chop out considering it's all ro rock solid gold <laughs> oh. um but it's very consistent yeah yeah i i just love how he, every time you think he's off a barber oh no back on a barber um oh. but one thing i've noticed oh. over the past few years of hate mail is ever since I started doing Do Camiel uh, and reading comments in that, you know, in the in the, Ooh, the yes. yeah the aristocrat voice, and you know, they people like those videos. I've noticed ever since then. When I get hate mail, they perform <laughs> as they do it. Yeah. So it sounds almost like someone's just being sarcastic for a joke. But you look at the sentiments and the statements, they're genuine hateful insults. So it's like, and then they dare me to make a video on it. And this has been consistent for a while now. Well, they're trying to get on commentocracy. They want to get on commentocracy. <laughs> and they don't care. They, they don't care. They, they don't care Absolutely at all. They couldn't care, care less. So what I do is I have my cake and fuck it too by still mocking what they say, but doing it on this podcast where they <laughs> won't really get that much pleasure out of it. <laughs> yeah, they don't get to see you in a fancy wig doing it, so they've been that's robbed it, of they, the joy. Well, that, that's it. They don't get to see you putting any effort into their bullshit. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, it was three minutes of my life I couldn't get back, but I can only imagine it took more than three minutes. To... Actually, no, no, that probably was just a complete unedited stream of conscience. Look, <laughs> they didn't even put any fucking line breaks in, and I don't know where anyone gets <laughs> off criticizing me if they can't use a fucking line break it's the biggest key uh, on the keyboard dickhead yeah yeah like they, they sell they sell big novelty ones where you can just punch the return key if you need a line break now jim i gotta tell you i don't feel like you've done your research here because the largest key on the keyboard is the space bar oh, I immediately, oh jim you oh. i immediately you and jim bad research if if we're talking about the problem is, is it's the biggest key on the keyboard, dickhead, was such a good line. <laughs> yeah, so what you're saying, Jim, is that you care more about good lines than you do about accuracy. I see, I get it. Well, let's face it. I mean, you think the reminds of real people. <sighs> they're, they're an elaborate scam to get, to get money, to get $15 million by suing myself. <laughs> 
<sighs> so, hey everyone. It's Pogquisition. Oh yeah, hello everyone. Oh uh, yeah, we're going to talk about whether your favorite games are great or perfect. We'll do Some that. of them are great, some of them are perfect. Yeah, hey. You know, it's a ghastly old time um, out in the world, but today... Which we we're, we're going to talk nice because I've I've been informed that I can't badmouth the president. <laughs> I mean, if you can't badmouth the president, I'll do it for you. He's a shit president, and he's got a bad mouth. Oh. <laughs> he does. He's got a bad mouth, and he 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 tells many many lies, and is a bad man who does bad things. And I once saw him eating little bits of shit. He was sat on the toilet eating little bits of shit. And it wasn't his shit. See, I won't say that I saw that because that might be libelous. What I will say is, I've heard from some people that they saw him doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I heard from people that that's a thing that happened. And Jim, I got to warn you here because here's the thing. The challenge with slander as it pertains to this president and the protections that you have here is that like it has to not be believable. That's true. What, mm. what you're saying. <laughs> and there is literally nothing you could say about Donald Trump at this point that I am unwilling to believe outside of him being tremendously philanthropic. The only way would be if like I, I saw him walking down the street and his head was on upside down. <laughs> his, his whole head was on upside down and his neck went into the hair and the top, which was his bottom, was smooth. It was just smoothed over like an action man groin, like where the neck would like come up, like hit the body bit. Smooth um, as an egg. Yeah, and he and he, he he walked past me and he said, it's an upside down kind of day. And left. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's not wrong. It's an upside down kind of life right it now. Is. <laughs> it is, it uh, is. I wasn't even eat an orphanage with a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to eat the chimney. That's your dessert, friend. <laughs> oh dear, that's why you burn the ones that mouthed off too much, anyway. Oh, so hey, do we want to talk about some video games that happened that are definitely not political? Sure. Yeah, there's some video game news that's definitely not political. Borderlands Three. Those developers ain't getting paid their bonuses. Oh, oh, Randy Bo Bandy. Randy Bo Bandy, his eyes are made of candy. Randy Pitchford just can't stop getting in the fucking headlines, huh? No, I mean, here's the thing about Randy Pitchford, right? The thing about Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox, is that he's a literal, and not a metaphorical, but also a metaphorical, con man... Slash con merchant. I mean... (sighs) And everyone who deals with him gets burned. That's been a pattern. He's like Trump, except the shit sticks to him better because very few people um, are on his side. I feel like this isn't even the first time that we've had Gearbox doesn't pay its employees promised bonuses as a headline. Like, that's just a thing that routinely pops up. Like, previously they at least tried to have some kind of excuse for it, because I'm pretty sure the last time was, oh, you only got an 84 on Metacritic and you needed an 85, so sorry, no bonuses. That's a Bethesda thing. Oh, was that a Bethesda thing, Bethesda with Obsidian, yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh, yes. But yeah, no, this was literally just... We we paid you less than the industry standard. We paid you quite a low wage, but we we said, well, we'll make it up to you at the other end. When when Borderlands Three comes out, we're going to give you these really big bonuses, and that'll that'll really make up for all of it. And then they 
sold the game and they took their bonuses and their money and oh no there's no money left for all of you where'd it all go it's it's almost as though bonus structures in general are used to diminish the value of labor and withhold money from workers in a way that could then prevent the workers from ever actually see, seeing the value and yes. keeping all of that money at an executive or investor level. Exactly. Well, that sounds like what corporations need more of, if I'm honest, and that's leverage over their employees. They don't have enough of that, you see. So I think it's a very good thing that Randy Pitchford um, pays his workers below industry standard while yeah. bullshitting them and that's the end of my sentence. Yeah, I I I know someone who used to live in a building owned by the person they worked for, and if I learn anything from talking to them about that, it's that your employee your employer having as much control over you as possible is a great thing. It always works out well and it's always a positive. Well, yeah, because that's how you know that they care about you. When they want to insert themselves into every aspect of your life. Yeah. Yeah, when when you are relying on them and their good nature to survive, that's how you know they care. They're being like a parent. They're looking after you and going, "Oh, no, mm, oh, you're not re- mm, you're not ready to have your your pocket money yet. We'll give it to you when you finish your homework." Oh, oh, you finished your home. Oh, sorry, I had to spend it on the shopping. There's none left to give you now. Basically, what this kind of of pay structure is is. Someone sitting you down, an executive sitting you down and saying, right, you can have this steady, stable income or what's in the mystery box. That's what it is. Well, no, but that's... But no, it's not even that. It's you can have the contents of the mystery box. That's a big fat paycheck in the mystery box. We can't show you it's in there, but we will tell you it's money. And then you open it and goes, ah, the mystery was it wasn't money. I mean, the either way, it's a it's a gamble. They're asking you to gamble on your pay, which I would say this, right? Doing freelance work is a, is always a bit of a gamble. If you're a full time employee, you shouldn't be gambling. You shouldn't be expected to gamble. You shouldn't be told to expect these sort of big highs and lows. And so many people are dependent on the bonus. Well, yeah. You know, they they make their future financial plans contingent on the bonus because they are assured by the people that they work for that they are going to get this bonus. And yeah. it is reiterated over and over. It's, it's used as the carrot to push people through crunch and all of yeah. this shit. I, I dread to think how many employees, like, started paying off cars or whatever, going... Bought houses. Yeah, or houses, going like, okay, I can make the payments, and at some point, I'm going to get that bonus, and that's what will pay off the lump sum so that, like, I can afford to do it. The report on Kotaku did mention that, like, housing plans have been fucked by this. Exactly, yeah. Good time for that, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This was the best time that, that Gearbox could have laid this on their staff. Um, when everything is up in the air and people are scared and worried about their incomes. Def- definitely a good move, Randy, you fuckwit. Oh. This scheme is great when it works. You know, when you have a Borderlands 2 and people can literally buy houses with the bonuses, fantastic. But then, when you've put your blood and sweat and tears into a game for years and it doesn't sell like Borderlands 2, all you've done is labour for lower than the industry standard. That's that's the net result. It's also it's really 
interesting to sort of examine this from the perspective of we have a system that is in place where everybody, where if everything just goes along fine and everyone succeeds all the time, hey, great, it works. But the minute there's any sort of hitch, it's massively devastating to the entire system. It's almost like a microcosm of what is happening to us yeah. now with this crisis. I, absolutely. And I think in another fair analogy, when you look at Randy Pitchford with his alleged, but certainly high anyway, alleged $12 million bonus, the people that implement this system um, don't feel the devastation when it fails. Yeah. No. Because they've still got a lot of fucking money. You, you've got some companies out there in the world, like the, the one I always think about is that Nintendo had a loss and uh, who was it? Who was at the top of the company at the time that was like, I'm going to take a 50% pay cut to make sure that no one else loses oh, money. Um, it was there. Satoru Iwata. Yeah, it was a water. Um, Miyamoto took a cut as well. In fact, the whole yeah. board took, I think, 30% cuts. Yeah, it's it just that whole thing of like, oh no, we we as executives, we are, yeah, if we didn't make enough money, we made the choices that got us there, we'll take a cut and smooth it over. That should be how things work. I mean, it's it's still, like, it would have passed a long time ago. Yeah. And you'd think there'd be like more examples of a company at that level in the industry mm. um, to go on. But the fact that we're still talking about Iwata, oh, yeah. it's, it's almost sad, except, you know, you don't want to say it's sad that you're talking about Iwata, but it's almost sad that it is still such a standout example of a company taking accountability. Yeah. It's sad that there is no more modern example that has come up since where we can go, like Iwata, or like this person as well, you know, that there's no other comparison point. Not within games at any rate. No. It, it does happen yeah. from time to time in other corporations that, you know, in other industries and things like that. But yeah, it doesn't happen in games. All we ever see are layoffs. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and there are companies mightier and bigger money makers than Nintendo in the industry. The amount of, like, the billions they're making off software. Yeah. And they can't do the same thing? Fuck right off. How, how about this as a statement? If you have not been profitable enough to pay your staff what you promised them, then you as an executive have failed and do not deserve a $12 million bonus. A bonus of that size should not go to someone who couldn't pay their workers what they said. I said this about Bobby Kotick after the layoffs um, last year at Activision Blizzard. Like... It's their fuck up. They're the one at the, the helm of the ship, but they're the helm's where a captain stands around sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. And probably, and you know, where the big weedy bit is. And they they don't take any responsibility for that. All they do is wring their hands and talk about what a hard choice it was. Was it was it hard? Because it seems really like the hard choice would be to look at your own finances and maybe take a cut there. It was really, really hard really hard for that one moment but then it wasn't hard at all for them whereas for the people actually affected by the decision it becomes very hard immediately and for an indefinite period of time yeah yeah it's if your game does not make the amount of money for like compared to its its budget that it was supposed to that is not the that is not the fault of bob who works in the texture designing department making metal wall textures like, it's not their fault that the game didn't make as much money as he said it was going to. That's on the people up the top who made the choices. The game industry is not, I don't want to say it's unique, but at least I've keenly seen uh, a more acute aversion to responsibility 
from companies in this industry. Just their sheer resistance to regulation, to unionization. Like, I won't say they're worse. There are, there are some industries that are worse. But when it comes to wanting to have everything with no downsides and taking responsibility for nothing they've ever done, I mean, they're up there. The heads of this fucking industry are up there. No disagreement here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's them and yeah. bankers. Yeah. Exactly. And the video game industry largely gets away with it because they lead people with the promise of, you like video games, be involved in the video games. I did a Jimquisition on that passion and how that's exploited. Yeah. I mean, I see that in wrestling as well. Um, I mean, see, I see in any any vocational um, or creative sort of path is going to be full of people exploiting your, your heart for the craft. Yeah. It's not great, is it? It's not fantastic. It's not fantastic. It's um, not great or perfect. No, but I will say, like, what I said in, in the video I did about it is this is not unexpected of Randy Pitchford. Everyone who's worked with him or has had some dealing with him appears to come away burned in some way. Yeah. It was almost inevitable that he would let his whole staff down like this. It was almost an inevitability because... This is what these kinds of... I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he's tried to trick a zoo out of someone. <laughs> he just comes off as one of those people. Yeah. There, I would not be shocked if 20 years from now there's a Netflix documentary about the man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, other than that, things we've played this week. Who's done played a game that they want to say some words about? Who's played games? Um, I, I played Minute. You know, that little Zelda-like... Oh, yeah. That's a great little game. Yeah. Yeah, I had that lying around for months and just ha hadn't gotten around to it. Yeah, I replayed that the other the other, the other other night on uh, on stream because I come back to that every couple of months. Well, that's what reminded me. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, how did you get on with it? It's it it really good. It's a really adorable little game, isn't it? Yeah, it's a charming little thing. The The hook is good. It, it It's short. It's a small little game but it has a surprising amount of depth and interactivity to it hmm. oh yeah and i think anyone buying a game called minute and then complaining about the length <laughs> did it to themselves they made a rod for their own back if i'm being honest yeah it's it's a it's a it's well priced for the length it is mm -hmm. and there is a lot of like that first playthrough will give you a few hours of working out like okay wh where can i push these limits what can i do now and like that's where the fun in it is i think mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I you know my first run finished up. I had like fifty four percent of the items. Yeah. So there's clearly a lot more in there that I never interacted with. Oh, yeah. Like there's there's a whole thing that I've never completed where there's a shop that if you bring them seven coins, they'll give you some running shoes. Yeah. And five is the most I found in a run. And then there's an underground temple. That if you go in there, there's a whole room where right. clearly you need the running shoes yeah. to get to the other end of it. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's down there. And one day I'm going to go find it. Yep, that's that's one of the things I... Yeah, because I also similarly got like five of the coins on my run. And it was like, oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of little edges to push at. And if the, there, nothing is wasted in it. Yes. Which I find really charming and interesting mm. if there is a object in the world there is some reason for it to be there even yeah. if it's just a silly animation when yeah. you know the right item is applied to it but it it 
lends itself to that sense of experimentation that drives you forward anyway. The one of those really early on the, in the game that uh, always sticks with me as it's not there for any kind of progression thing, but it's just a fun, neat thing you can do, is there's a man in like a cafe who is complaining about the music on a jukebox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you can sit through like mashing the, the jukebox for your whole 60 second before you die to find the right bit of music and he starts having a little dance. And that's it. He's just happy now. You made a guy happy because you found his song on the jukebox. It's just little little things like that that you can use your time to do that's just like, oh, it's nice. Yeah, and it's something that you can, you know, sit down, you play it for two, three hours, you've completed a run, and then, you know, you do it again in a few months. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of those games that, like, I know it pretty well, and it, it seems pretty accessible to try and get good uh, runs on, because, like... I think I think uh, last time I looked, and maybe it's gone down since then. The accepted like minimum number of runs that you could complete the game in is twenty five. Oh wow! You can do it in something like twenty five runs, like under twenty five minutes, and most of it is just confidently knowing here's what I've got to do next, and then hitting the reset to like get yourself as as fast as you can back to your your checkpoint. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a lovely little game. Yeah, it's it's quite delightful. So yeah, yeah. So I I played that. Um, see that. What, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? What have you guys played? Yeah. What about you, Jim? Jim, what have you been playing? Uh, right. I have been. I've still been playing a lot of online games. Yes, I've um, I've heard. You know what I just did then? You know what I just did then? What did you do? I just opened a can while I was talking because I thought it'll sound rude on the recording if I open it while other people are talking. But it, it would have easily been edited out had you... Justin could have <laughs> yeah. edited... Yeah, edited it out very easily, and now he literally can't. <laughs> so... <laughs> select that obnoxiously. Might as well now. Now that the cat's out the bag. Um, I have been playing a lot of online games. Been still dipping in and out of Call of Duty Warzone here and there. Um... Didn't go back to Bleeding Edge. I just can't face the imbalanced matches. I don't know. Yeah. Then I just forgot all about it. Um, Resident Evil Resistance. Not a good game. Not stopped playing it since before launch. I played it Thursday. This is this is the asynchronous one, is it? Asymmetrical. Asymmetrical. Sorry, yes. Wrong, wrong word. I said asynchronous by accident in a video a lot because someone on my Q&A podcast on the Patreon... Uh, asked about asymmetrical multiplayer and said asynchronous, and then I kept saying it. Well, that's fine. We've both made the same mistake now, so it's fine. But then, in my memory, it was Justin that said it, and then I started blaming him. And then he said, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's where we're at with that situation. Um, Speaking of which, I don't know if it's a function of the quarantine that I'm playing lots of multiplayer games for some sense of human interaction, even if it's the kind of dicks that play games online, or if it's the, the just the, the repetition and they're not having to think too much about yeah. what, stuff why not both? of it. Or both. Why not both? Could be both. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why I'm still playing Resident Evil Resistance. Um, yeah. This is this is want want to use a want to use a monster and the rest are people with guns. Is well, that, that that the deal? Yeah, one of you is basically um, uh, some some people have described it as like a DM. Like you see the map through different security uh. cameras, and then you're dropping down zombies and monsters and traps and stuff. Mm. Um, and then once you've 
various periods you can take direct well you can take direct control of most zombies if you want but then you lose the ability to sort of oversee stuff and then every now and then you can take control of uh uh, one of the big bioweapons from the series um there are several masterminds and each one has their own so annette birkin is the first one and she has william birkin as you can run around as him the next one is daniel who has mr x so you can play as mr x uh, and that kind of stuff not experienced that um after three days no after four days of playing it i finally got into one mastermind game well i got into two in a row in fairness um until before then like i I would have matchmaking going for an hour or more without getting into a game to be that mastermind character because everyone wants to be it apparently very few people want to be the survivor characters who are the other crucial component and make up four out of five character slots per game (laughs) so you know i i go on random all the time um and i'm always selected as a survivor which i don't mind so much uh i find the the two times i played as mastermind like i i did fairly well but i found it very stressful it's it's just too busy for me um and the survivor is more well you know i can i i'm always the 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 healer character so i've got a very very clear job i like direction um so that's good (laughs) yeah it's uh it's frustrating because it could be excellent and it's clearly throw away it it feels like what it is it's tacked on to resident evil 3 it's still got those resident evil controls and they, they just don't quite work for four players trying to do it all at the same time in narrow corridors. It gets very messy and very chaotic. And half the time it's not scary. It's just annoying because the mastermind can effectively troll you. Um, and if they get a good hand, they can just fuck you up um, within moments. And sometimes they get the ability to just fire guns from their cameras, which is one ability I think should just be taken the fuck out. You shouldn't just be able to award yourself because every hit takes time off the clock. If you get caught in a trap or a zombie bites you, or you take um, a shot from the mastermind's guns, that takes up, up to 30 seconds off the clock. In addition to the time wasted being bitten by a zombie or, or stuck in the trap, it's, and it all works fine in a balanced game, but sometimes you get into a situation where you just feel like you never had a chance, especially if someone's got the Mr. X um, bioweapon, which I've we, I've started winning against that character, but nine times out of ten, Mr. X is just the pre- press X to win button um, because he's he can't be killed and he can just punch you down in four hits. Um, but otherwise, it, it's... It's hard to say it's fun, but in these uncertain times, it's very repetitive and comfortable as a result. Um, So I've not begrudged it that. I do begrudge its loot boxes. They put loot boxes in. Shame on them. Shame on them indeed. Um, And they are paid loot boxes. They've added a degree of separation. Um, You don't buy the currency. You don't buy the loot boxes. But you can buy boosters that increase the amount of currency. So they've... They've created, uh, I, I called it in my video this week, financial distancing, because it sounds almost relevant. So that is a good thing I have come up with. So that's a little round of applause I give myself. Um, so that's that's been Resident Evil Resistance. I've been in a very big Resident Evil mood since Nemesis, actually. I started playing the uh, the, Res- the original remake that's on the Switch now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, dipped in and out of that. 
and Resident Evil 2 coming through as Claire because I didn't finish Claire off. Um, I did all of Leon and then some of Claire, so I'm getting through that. I'm really annoyed about those loot boxes because Capcom's been so good creatively, but it's horror. It's it's not nice to be reminded that they're no better <laughs> business wise. Yeah. Um, it's it's this is an issue I often have when I you know when people very easily accept criticism I have for EA and then not others. Creativity is not a sign of integrity. No. I mean, look at me. So yeah. just because they they're being really great creatively doesn't mean they're immune to criticism. It doesn't mean they don't do things worthy of criticism. Um, people struggled with this with me criticizing microtransactions in Devil May Cry Five. The game's fucking excellent. Yeah, fee to pay bullshit shouldn't be in it. And I'm not going to change my my stance there just because Capcom's been doing nice. They have been doing nice, and from a creative perspective, all the praise in the world. But were the loot boxes necessary? Really? Fuck's sake. It's such a horrible system as well. Like, since I've been playing it now almost a straight week, like one day shy of a week, um, I have unlocked one skin for one survivor. I've unlocked three skins for guns I don't use, and a whole bunch of voice clips for the masterminds whose games I can't get into. Progression is unbelievably slow. And it's also the way you, you don't just use the loot boxes for cosmetics, although they're the most expensive ones, because it's just cosmetic was always bullshit because they are clearly the most valuable part of a game in many respects. Um, certainly certain multiplayer ones. Um, the equipment chests that actually upgrade your characters, they're all behind these loot boxes as well. So it's just a real shame. The game could be great, although I still contend that Operation Raccoon City was a good game. So few people agree. Operation Raccoon City was very good, and if it had an active online, I don't know if it does. I doubt it does. I'd I'd dip into that again right now. So that's my Resident Evil adventures all week. Yeah. Uh, what what have I been playing this week? I started playing that Final Fantasy VII remake because um nowhere is respecting street date on that game. Mm. I was able to just get a physical copy several days ahead of release, so I thought. Ah, Pogquisitions today, I might as well uh, get get started on it, and I mean, all of the opinions I had during that uh, that demo they put up are still largely the same. Um, I very much enjoy the combat system, as someone who really enjoyed uh, the Kingdom Hearts 3 combat system, it's nice to experience that kind of combat in a game that makes some fucking sense. <laughs> and when you're saying, by the way, that Final Fantasy VII makes a lot more sense compared to something else, like, oh, yeah, that no. really does demonstrate how bizarre and baffling the other thing is. I love Kingdom Hearts 3, don't get me wrong, but any game where you can seriously, with a very straight face to the camera, say, a heart can live anywhere, even in data, <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I, I, I have to admit that I love something terrible. But yeah, no, um, a few things have definitely, like, felt a bit nicer as I've gotten further into it. Um, the full game, being able to pull that camera back a bit better has, like, drastically improved my opinion of it now that I can just be slightly further back from Cloud. I feel like the orchestrated music tracks definitely get stronger once you get out of that first uh, Maker Reactor section. I hope so. Yeah, the, as as I've gotten through, like, made it to, say, Section 7 and started going through some areas there and met up with Tifa, I'm like, okay, 
I'm really liking a lot of these rearrangements of the uh, of the tracks, um, and more so than I did even at the start. I very much enjoy their version of Midgar and the sort of scale of it. At least from what I've seen, I've, I've very much been doing the initial somewhat linear with branching paths escape sequence, but um, they've definitely made it feel like a cohesive space that feels very large. I think the place where that combat, uh, the changes to the combat really make the biggest difference to the game is I had this moment when I was doing this whole sequence of like, hey, I'm... I'm running down this big road and trucks full of soldiers keep trying to stop me and like clearly this is building up to where I'm going to jump on this train and go head off out the city and I kept thinking about it like if this was random battles, if this was me stopping to do turn-based combat I would be frustrated that every few steps I was being stopped. Doing it in real time with actual like action stuff going on, I barely noticed it. I felt much more like I was still making progress down this big street even when I was in combat. Mm -hmm. And that not not stopping the game and going to combat and then cutting back. It, it makes sections that like I recognise are basically here are soldiers to fight for levels a lot less. They feel a lot less like you're being dragged away to do something grindy. Mm -hmm. It maintains the illusion because the same yeah. thing's happening. But that's exactly it. It's it's the same thing happening, but the the set dressing feels it, it feels less like you're level grinding and that right. that is wonderful. I have been very much enjoying the a lot of the, the early character performances. Um particularly Jesse doesn't stop being that thirsty. Damn right. She's just, nice. just thirstier and thirstier as time goes on and it's great. Brilliant. Um yeah, it's so far it feels like a very, very faithful attempt to modernize a thing that we all you know many of us have gone through and sort of have very vivid ideas of what that that narrative should look like when presented it feels really faithful without feeling like too beholden to it um yeah i i'm only a few hours in but right now like i want to see how how much it starts to spread out because i've seen all of these like paths off to big areas where it's like Nope, we need to get the we need to get the, the the start of the narrative done, and then we can let you loose. And I'm like, I want it. I want you to take the reins off. I want to. Yeah. I want to start running around, looking around, and like that's what I'm itching for right now. I'm like three hours in and feeling very ready to just like, hey, I see a big area over there that you you say that's not where we're going right now. Let me go see what's over there. Is that three hours in, um, excluding the hour spent installing uh, it? That <laughs> okay, yeah, that's excluding the hour. So if you get this game on disc, warning everyone, it's a two-disc game, and I assumed I could pop disc one in, start playing it, and tell me to do disc two at some point. No, disc two is a 50 gig install from disc that's going to take you an hour. Fuck. Yeah, you cannot play the disc version of this game unless you have 50 gig of hard drive space free and an hour to wait around. Uh, yeah, that that's reasonable. That's a reasonable demand on the player. I mean, like... All right, it, if you have an hour... I mean, let's be honest. You're playing a Final Fantasy game. In the context of the amount of time you're about to invest into what <laughs> you are doing, one hour is a drop in the bucket. I will say this, though. At, at, at the current time, an hour is an eternity... <laughs> <laughs> at the time well, of talking well my my point was going to be more um don't do what i thought about doing and thankfully I, I i sat down to play it earlier but i was like it's fine i'll you know i'll just sit down at this time uh to play it before podquisition if i'd sat down when i was planning to i wouldn't have had a chance to actually like 
see any of it past the demo before recording. So I'm like, thank you, thank you for for realizing I needed to get my arse in gear an hour before I actually wanted to play. But yeah, it's right now all of the signs are there that like it doesn't feel like that hour long demo was where they spent all of their money. And as soon as you get past that, it's going to be like, oh okay, oh the oh the money ran out. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say this for Square Enix as as many issues as I have with the company. Um, when it comes to spending obscene amounts of money to make oh. sure the game looks as polished as possible, yeah. they spare no expense there, even if yes. they overspend to obscene degrees on certain things. Honestly, the more I like, every now and then in this, I just keep stopping and panning the camera to places that aren't like where progression is. Like I keep just looking up at the sky and seeing the ludicrously big um, like metal structures arcing over you that it's like, that's so detailed, and no one ever looks up in video games. Fuck, you spent a lot of money on that. Mm. Yeah, this is a game that has clearly had a lot of money spent making sure it is polished as fuck, and it shows. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm very happy with what I've seen so far, and I'm excited to get back into it. I had my doubts and my worries, but the demo assuaged some of that, and playing Resident Evil 3 so recently, I'm, I'm in a good mood for... Re re uh, remakes of nineties things. So yeah, yeah. It's my my feelings about it have gone up in the couple of hours since I finished the demo. So that's I'm I'm feeling positive so far. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to Friday because because I respect Square Enix's wishes <laughs> and. Yeah, I'm just terrified to go outside. Oh, I didn't go outside. I found someone who would post me a copy that had assured me they wore gloves and a mask before putting it in the envelope. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I tell you what, you try and fucking socially distance when you've got to make a target run. Thankfully, we got some toilet roll. I'm like, I've got like like asthma and shit, so I, I'm I'm not super worried, but I'm not taking any chances. But you try keeping fucking even three feet apart from some of those fuckers in the shops. They don't give a shit. We've we've at least like here limited the number of people who can enter even the big supermarkets at a time, and you've got like big markings on the floor to show you how far apart to stand. Well, the thing is, it's it's not like it's packed. You go into a Target right now, at least the one local to me, and considerably far fewer people there than there have been before. Um, it dwindles the more you go. Um, so you can really pretend you're in some sort of horrific situation. Um, pretend. Uh, so <laughs> there aren't that many people, and yet they just don't give a fuck about wandering right near you because you're near the bit of cheese yeah. they want. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. And I've got a fucking dodge and duck and weave. And if you've ever seen me do that in a Target, you've seen something special. It feels end of the world when it's like, ah, yes, I'm heading to the shops. Let's go get my mask and gloves before I leave the house. Right? I forgot my gloves when I was last there. Terrified. Yeah. They're not terrified, but but conscious. Uncomfortable. Um, a little uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Conrad, oh, right, what else yeah. have you been playing? <laughs> well, I, uh... I played this thing called uh, Totally Reliable Delivery Service. Yeah, tell us about this. I believe this is. I'm, I'm double checking to make sure I have uh, the developer right. Yeah, it's it's um it's developed by Tiny Build or published by Tiny Build. Yeah, I believe so. And it is, it's a physics-based game where you collect packages and then either on foot or through the use of vehicles or other means get a box into a receptacle and you're, the controls are really simple you can run around uh you can independently 
hold things in your hands and you can independently raise your arms up and you can jump and sprint. That's pretty much it. Um, so everything that you do in the game interfaces in that fashion. So every vehicle, for example, is manipulated by holding onto it with your hand, mm -hmm. holding onto like a little knob, and then pushing with the analog. And, you know, and those things are all analog sensitive, so there's degree of acceleration, there's a learning curve. And in some cases the steering will also be on that same stick. In other cases, you know, like helicopters, where you have throttle and pitch as independent uh, little knobs, that's fine. Fucking Others, hell. it's it's just the one stick, and you have, like, uh, something you hold on to with your other hand, because when the things start going, you will fly off mm -hmm. if you're not securing yourself. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, a lot of... Physics-based goofiness, it's a game that seems built for streamers, which is probably why it was free for its first week on Epic Games Store. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess it came out last year somewhere else, and now it's hit that. And it's kind of fun. It's got some DLC that's like, eh, it's like a cosmetic pack. There's a lot of cosmetics to unlock. Um, you start with very, very few, and it seems like, oh, God, I'm, they're pushing this DLC because there are so many more options that are only in the DLC choices. And, of course, you can see what they all look like while you're, you know, uh, trying on things to convince you to make this purchase. Uh, but it becomes pretty clear over time that no, there's actually a whole lot of cosmetic crap that's in there. It just takes time to unlock it through completing challenges. Um, but it's got multiplayer which I think would make some of these challenges a whole lot easier and some of them a whole lot harder <laughs> just as you think about multiple people trying to work together to do the tasks. And in some cases, you look at what it wants you to do and you're like, how am I going to do this by myself? Um, like there's one with a Ferris wheel and it would be and, and you have to turn the Ferris wheel on and you can leave it running and it'll just go. But it would be so much faster if you could get someone in there, have someone down on the ground level to crank it up to get them up to the top real quick, because the receptacle is in the center of the Ferris wheel, that you then have to drop it down from the platform, or from, from one of the uh, baskets. It's neat. Uh, it's kind of got a cool puzzle-solving thing to it. It's all time-based for the most part in a lot of these challenges, although some of them you're trying to maintain the condition of the object to get it to the place. Um... But there's a pretty good amount of content. I, you know, I would have said, hey, go get it because it's free. But it stopped being free about two hours before we recorded. No. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's it's too expensive. And it will be on sale again. So I would just keep an eye out for it. Because uh, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, and it has split screen, local, two player, and four player uh, online multiplayer. Uh but it's cute and pretty fun. So I played that, and, and I also, real quick, wanted to talk about Risk of Rain 2 again. Just got back into that, because there's been some updates. And they've added some new enemy types. But uh, also, they've added another level to it. And this has unlocked the artifact function, which is uh, you can set modifiers for your campaign, for your run. Mm -hmm. And... It's got a really kind of neat approach to doing it in that you get to the fifth stage of the game, get into a somewhat 
hard to reach location. It's not always hard to reach. You've got like a 50-50 chance of it being more difficult than not. Uh, get into this place. And then it's got a grid pattern thing. And so this is for people who, you know, want to experiment and investigate. They can secret a few of these grid pattern, four shape, puzzle orientation things. They, you know, the each of spot on the grid can be a circle, a square, uh, a diamond, or a triangle. And so with all of those configurations available, they can add new artifacts whenever they want to and people will have to find them. And then, of course, you can just go find the list on the wiki because everybody's already found all the ones that are in there now. Uh, And these do things like affect the types of enemies that you'll encounter. So you'll only get elite versions of every enemy, which makes the difficulty way harder. Or alternately, all the enemies in a stage could be just of one type. In a lot of cases, this really decreases the difficulty of playing the game because you only have one type of thing you need to be accounting for as you go along. Uh, So, yeah, they're cool. And I was reading the patch notes because apparently they got some crap from users who were like, oh, well, this, like, really unbalances stuff. And they're like, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's there for replayability and fun. Yeah, it unbalances it. So anyway, um, it's it's shaping up really well. Um, I'm happy with the progress. Um, the new enemies are bastards. Um, so yeah, it's good times. Yeah. Oh, thing that has happened while we've been recording this episode. Uh, you know how no one's bothered really at all with Stadia because it's Google's streaming thing because it's had like a hundred and thirty dollar price of entry just to get trying it before you've even paid for games. I've not used it. I've not used it since I've had it. I had it weeks ago, yeah. and I've not not done it since the first night. Okay, so they've announced today that they're finally doing the thing that was kind of the sales pitch of Stadia, which is you don't need to buy that 130 quid controller anymore or, you know, pay for your subscription or whatever. You can just pay on a game-by-game basis to go, I'm going to pay for this game and then be able to play using my own controller I have at home on any of my screens I already have. It doesn't have to be a Chromecast and their special controller. You do still have to put faith in Google that they're going to continue to operate this service six months into the future. That's something they can never provide. Yeah, you you are correct, and I wouldn't use this as, like, my platform of, like, this is where I game now, but... For the one or two exclusive games they have on there, like the... Oh, what what was the one they had on there? Oh, I can't remember now. They had something that was an original game there. I know it was by the Sexy Brutale people. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I might pay you the entry cost of that to play through that. Yeah, that's fair. To play your, your, your original thing and go, ah, this is what Stadia is, I guess, but... <laughs> Yeah, but no, they've had no they've had no luck reaching out to Indies, according to reports, because yeah. they couldn't offer them money or stability or anything. They're hinging on offering games you can just get elsewhere. Yes, and it's clearly not working out for them, because who would? But yeah, I might finally try that game from the Sexy Brutal people. Yeah, with a little girl with the torch in the scary place. I'll probably try that now. There you go. Oh. Totally reliable delivery service. It's developed by We're Five Games. I wanted to make sure I got that in ah, there because I did cool. find it. Yeah, we had a couple of other newsy bits this week. Um, some of them we can probably skim past fairly quickly. Uh, the Last of Us 2 was like a few weeks away from coming out, and now it just doesn't have a release date anymore because that's a game about a big 
uh, infestation outbreak disease that wait a minute uh, is running rampant across America. And is that why they're delaying it? Um, the un- the official line was something about um. Yeah, distribution mm. and getting the games to people, but like, there's been a lot of reports oh, going. It's because the game's about a big disease going rampant across America, and they feel a bit weird about its sales chances right now. That would be the dumbest business decision ever. Because if you go on Netflix, what's been in the top ten trending for the past few weeks? Fucking outbreak, contagion, contagion, yeah. outbreak. People are watching exactly. zombie films again. People want the catharsis yeah. of yeah. facing this thing right now. Yeah. So the the official line is the game is finished. But but it's it's quite difficult to get the game to the person right now, so we don't know when it's coming out. Oh man, it's going to be so hard to distribute that digitally. Yeah, I mean Square Enix seems Oof. to be doing just fine. <laughs> yes. Wow. If you don't mind the fact that physical copies might arrive a bit earlier than they're meant to to people, you can totally get a game out. Now. I mean, I won't obviously unless there's cast iron evidence of it. I won't have a sure. crack at them for you know for. I won't have a genuine crack at them for the decision if it is a genuine distribution issue. But yeah. And I can understand even like having that fear, right? I get yeah. it, but I just don't think it's the right call if that is what they did. Yeah. I think they'd make money off the back of this situation. Yeah. I honestly would pay a premium to be playing that now because honestly like pretending that the the state of the world right now isn't happening isn't doing me any favors at least if i'm playing like the last of us or something i can be in a world in which i have some degree of control over my survival in a pandemic well yeah well you can see it yeah you can see the infection it is an infection you can fight right yeah there is something you can tangibly do to protect yourself from it. I would rather deal with the with the Last of Us Part Two right now than what we're dealing with at the moment. Now I've complained about yeah. the paper thin walls and the lack of soundproofing. Well, we now know where the bathroom is upstairs. <laughs> oh dear. He heard Justin heard her pissing. <laughs> So I don't know what they're hearing down here, but if if there's ever a noise complaint, I then have to fire back with "We can hear you, piss." <laughs> oh. It's it, it's there's I'm I've got to get out of here. This is this is the nightmare scenario. This is worse than The Last of Us Part Two. If a video game came out about hearing people piss upstairs, <laughs> then yeah, that oh. would be in bad taste to release. Yeah. Um. Other bits of news very quickly. Disco Elysium's getting a port to Switch at some point. That's a great game. I'll be, pl- I'll be replaying it on that, no worries. I'll give it another replay on that. Um, and then there was a very weird news story going around about this Cooking Mama game on Switch. Oh, oh yeah, the one that there was a an instant conspiracy theory about it being a, oh a Bitcoin miner or something. Well, oh yeah, so the short version is... Back in February, the developers of this game released a press release that no, weirdly... The publisher. The publisher. Oh, sorry, the publisher. The publisher released a press release that kept talking about blockchain. <laughs> then the game re- the, re- the game releases on the eShop for about two hours and then gets pulled down off the eShop and everyone's like, what the fuck's going on? Physical copies are only available secondhand on places like Amazon. There are no brand new box copies. And people who did have their hands on it were talking about the game running down their battery incredibly fast um, and, like, overheating the system. So people put two and two together and went, blockchain, 
battery draining. Is this game Bitcoin mining my Switch? So they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They put yeah. two and two together. Got three thousand two hundred one and change. Yeah. So turns out the game isn't Bitcoin mining your system. That's a better exchange rate than Bitcoin. <laughs> Damn right it is. It's it's not Bitcoin mining using your Switch, but it's not that much better. It's apparently terribly, terribly optimized to the point that like. It is draining people's switches faster than like big open world games on the Switch considerably. Like it's it is just killing batteries. But on top of that, um the the game got pulled down maybe because it wasn't supposed to be published yet. Like the rights holders hadn't given them permission to publish it yet, mm-hmm. and a legal dispute got it taken down. And then it gets weirder, because people have started data mining the game and like Huge amounts of the music in the game have just been ripped off of YouTube videos from old Cooking Mama game soundtracks. And yeah, there's just a whole lot of weird, suspicious shit happening around this game. Leave it to Mama. I, uh, okay, so the, the, uh, the blockchain stuff really, that kind of frustrated me. The leap to cryptocurrency. But I think that this is an opportunity now for people to maybe figure out that blockchain is more than cryptocurrency. Yeah. And I can recall, actually, it wasn't until this happened and I I had time to sort of like let my brain work a bit and I saw some articles. I remembered, oh yeah, that's right. They did have this come up back in like February or something. Yeah. uh, With this press release talking about blockchain applications. Yeah. And what it was setting up is a new DRM approach that blockchain could, could function for. Yeah. Um, and and it would actually there's good and bad that comes with that scheme. On the one hand, you, there is going to be some connectivity at some level that needs to happen mm. in order to validate. There there are ways to get around always on, but you do have to have validated somewhere yeah. connected along the way. I feel um, like it's maybe worth explaining what the difference between the two is because I think a lot of people just use the terms interconnectedly. Okay. Cryptocurrency cryptocurrency yeah, is a currency that doesn't uh, that the way that it is generated is by using your computer to do a bunch of 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 maths and that eventually will generate a currency that exists in its own balance. It is it is this currency that has value because we've decided it has currency all cryptocurrencies use blockchain not all blockchain is cryptocurrency yes blockchain when you're talking about cryptocurrency is the way that they validate that who has what money in a cryptocurrency is they use a blockchain it's a ledger yeah it's it's just like a bank ledger but that ledger is distributed out across networks all across the internet. If every time you make a transaction or you give money to someone, the ledger gets updated and everyone gets a copy of the new ledger. And if copies of the ledger that that don't agree with what everyone else has try to get pushed, it goes, that's not what everyone else's ledger says. Stop trying to put a fake ledger in there to say that you've got money. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what a blockchain is, is let's check everyone's copy of the book. And if someone's trying to publish a version that's not what everyone else has got, they're, they're trying to fucking cheat. Here's everything I know about cryptocurrency. Is there's a cryptocurrency called Banana Coin. And its value is derived from the average value of bananas around the world. And the only reason I didn't invest was because there were not physical banana coins. That is the end of my discussion <laughs> on cryptocurrency and disrupting the blockchain. All right, well, so here to put this into now 
what this basically means in a DRM context is if you were to tie a copy of a video game to the blockchain, it is unique. It is actually an existing asset that can be identified and cannot be replicated. Hmm. And so the way that blockchain could be employed to function as DRM is that, you know, it will only work for the person who has the valid wallet ownership of that software, of that code. Now, it also then opens up the possibility of a secondary digital software market where people can sell because they have ownership of that key. They can sell the asset to someone else at a rate that they decide. May I ask a question? Yeah. At this juncture, should a company releasing a game without tacit permission to do so have the temerity to talk about DRM? Probably not. (laughs) No, although they were talking about DRM months ago. But so there are, you know, obvious pros and cons to using this kind of technology. The problem is it's not efficient. Because every time a transaction has to be made, or any time a transaction is made, the ledger has to be updated. And that means processing a, basically a math problem that needs to be done by a computer somewhere. And that's where Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mining comes into the whole blockchain thing. This sort of attaches a value to the process of completing the transaction on the ledger. Yeah. The, the person whose computer is randomly picked to be the one that gets to do the math problem this time is the one that gets a Bitcoin. Well, it's not random. It's no, they no, no, managed right, to yeah. accomplish the, uh, the problem in the amount of time and be the first one yes. there. Um, and so that has obviously that's led to people investing in processing techniques to maximize and that's why there's been all of this sale of uh graphics card increasing because it's why people will have like server farms set up inside a mountain because it's like it's cold so we can run the computers more overclocked because it's really cold in this mountain right and so to a certain extent cryptocurrency is used as a means of incentivization to complete the task that needs to be done and that's going to run into problems when you don't have something to give them to incentivize them and with a drm arrangement you're going to need computers crunching those numbers how long are those going to be on there's a whole lot of challenges to and that's why it's a buzzword and that's it yeah as i understand it the problem with blockchain for like a game application is you see it with people who use cryptocurrency um, it takes a while for a transaction to go through. It's not instant. It can take like 20 minutes. Oh, for no, a trans- it's mandatory. It's mandated length yeah. of time for a transaction yeah. to be completed that it's locked in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is because like you cannot instantly be constantly updating every ledger every second. Right. And so then you have to choose where and how you do it. And like there's yeah. fast potential. There are enormous challenges as well. Yes. Um, but we're like it's right now. DRM is actually a really interesting application that seems plausible on some levels, which is probably why they put it into a press release my switch is making a bitcoin though it's making a bitcoin no probably not no but they did probably publish this game before they were allowed to without permission from the rights holder while stealing music tracks off of youtube videos also i'm not a blockchain expert i'm merely distilling what i've managed to glean from a bunch of stuff over the last several years and a little bit of personal experience working with a company that was researching it uh obviously uh, some of the things i've said may be wrong 
wrong. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you as well for correcting my mistakes. I probably... I, I feel like I know more than nothing, but not enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I know just enough to be really wrong. And, and I'm conscious of that. So that's why I shared all of that information uh, so that you all can be wrong. Too. So that's that's what cooking cooking mama was th- apparently doing or didn't do. I don't fucking know. Why the fuck is cooking mama invest like dealing with with blockchain? Well, I shouldn't have to have this conversation about a fucking cooking mama game. Here's I could I mean I could but I could tell you why. It's because a small company. Uh, managed to pick up a license that was recognizable, is trying to attract investors into their company, and they're attempting to use a, you know, very hot technology in the investment space to tie it to their product. That's, that's what it is. I hear you, Conrad, but also, it's Cooking Mama. I want to stir the soup. That's all I want to think about with Cooking Mama. Can I stir the soup? Kind of chop up the celery. Well, then, you know, maybe they should have been more careful about who they licensed cook. Well, clearly, they, <laughs> they, they haven't approved it for release yet, so. <laughs> oh, this is a weird fucking story. Yeah. And we saw strange. the la- last thing, we saw the PS5 controller. It looks shape-wise more like an Xbox One controller. I'm fine with that. It looks, it looks yeah, it looks cute. Yeah. It it looks fine. I've seen a lot of people losing their mind about the black and white design. And I'm like, I think it looks fine. Yeah, it looks okay. Um, not too fond. To, I, I've got to join the people that criticise the the labelling of some of those buttons. Like one is just the honk from from Untitled Goose Game, and the other is just three <laughs> lines. It's like these things mean nothing. Why is that? They took the share button. That it's like it says the word share. I know what it does. And now it's got some symbols. It's like no, that's the create button. It's now it's fucking... like don't want to create. I want to share. I don't know. It's it's the word start on a button means you can tell someone to press start. Yes. Well, no, but okay. So the we now, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that peeved about these because I do think these are actually pretty clear, especially if you're using mobile devices, mobile apps, things like that. That three bar line, that's a menu. And, and we know that now, I think. Um, the other thing I acknowledge, it's a little more... I don't know what it is. I, well, it's, gonna... a, it's a share. It's, it's, it's yeah. pushing share. that out to the world. Yeah. I'm going to continue calling it the share button. Sure. Cause I'll, share, share is a, a talented performer, but also it's what I call that button on controllers now. You're not going to rebrand it. I'm going to join those calling it the honk button. Creates probably more accurate because that's the point at which you are generating the content. Maybe, but it's one of those, like, the industry has sort of decided what that button is called now. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but we're we're rebranding. It's it's this now. Our one's this. Is there? I'm looking for a photo. Oh, there we go. I was looking for a flat photo because I wanted to see the profile of the buttons. Yeah, are you looking at the ones on the right and trying to tell if they're raised buttons or not? Yeah. Yeah. And they are very slightly raised. Yeah. So this is the... uh, The D-pad looks a lot more noticeably that is raised buttons i've seen several people my fiance included look at it and go those ones on the right actually buttons uh, it's just a, an aspect of the, they have transparent buttons when i first saw it i wanted the same thing like are those actual raised buttons yeah because i would have been interested to see if they were slightly recessed not i don't know that that would be better but it'd be an interesting approach it'd be something really different they, they definitely be, seem to be slightly raised off the controller yeah no there's definitely a profile there there is a very slight curve it looks like to the top of the yeah. buttons not unlike the standard 
uh, the ones that we've come to yeah. know from the DualShock 3. Uh, I can't tell if the profile's a little bit higher than the DS3. I'm trying to compare from the photo. It's, it's tough to tell. It's very close to yeah. that, if not a little bit higher. The the main other things that are just nice about this controller, it charges with USB-C. Thank you so much for standardizing that. Also, the profile of the shoulder buttons, it seems to be a lot higher. Yes. Um, like, almost 50 percent or more yeah i'm assuming that that is something to do with their whole haptic triggers sure. thing their resistive trigger tech that they've redesigned the controller to fit in yeah i like the new position of the light bar on the sides of the touch bar mm-hmm. probably never going to use the touch bar still it'll just be used as one big button well that's that's a from the you know side view i'm looking at here you can see it's, it looks like it's raised up um, yeah. above and that's kind of that's kind of cool looking. Give it, it a nice satisfied click. It's got a Tron kind of thing going on. Yeah, I, I quite like this controller design. I think I think it looks all right. My main thing is I don't like controllers in white because I'm like, it's just going to show marks. So yeah. Yeah, I don't dislike... I, the other thing, I, I, I've been using a DualShock... 4, I guess it's DualShock 4 um, on my computer for a while now yeah. because I had been using... Uh, 360 controllers forever and then the last one burned out and I could use this so I did I would prefer something with a little more meat yeah and so seeing the larger grip design on this um also it looks like they've gone right ahead with the textured uh, thumbsticks that's good yeah um I'm I will buy this controller even if I don't buy a PlayStation 5 for a while I will buy one of these controllers i mean all controllers at this point have somewhat standardized in design like even nintendo's caught up with the pro controller it's like yeah this is generally how controllers are <laughs> it, it looks like a nice one i'm curious about those triggers but i agree on the, like, on the color with you i i yeah. prefer something and you know they'll have multiple colors at launch it won't just oh, be the yeah white, so exactly yeah i think that's everything is that everything you've got both for this week yes yeah yeah, that's all I have. That's the lot. We did it. I think, yeah, we have done it. All that remains is for you to tell people about all the things that you do, Laura. All the things what I do. Mm-hmm. Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find me on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific for two to three hours at a time. Other than that, I've got books. There's Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it's out now where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Everything I publish ends up on laurakbuzz.com, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. I am on a bunch of other podcasts as well. There is Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game character pornography. There is Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where we talk about things that aren't exclusively video games and do silly skits and voices. And there's Dice Funk, which has just wrapped up season six. We've had our post-mortem. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. They're all self-contained stories. Now's a good time to jump in if you want to jump in, because we're doing a couple of weeks of little one-shots and sort of side adventures. Then we're going to jump in with a whole new cast of characters, so if you want to jump into a new season as it's starting, now's a good time. You know who else is going to be on season seven of Dice Funk with me? Comrade! Oh my goodness, that's right, I am. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. 
you can find me on Twitch also. I stream weekdays and usually once on the weekend. Usually. Um, right now I'm playing my time at Porsche, and that's been a lot of fun. Then we break it up during the week with some other stuff as well. Uh, that's at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Starts usually 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is like 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean. Um, what else do I do? Oh, I make buttons with, uh, sassy things on them. You can find those at pinfultruth.com. I make audiobooks, and you can listen to that at uh, conradreads.com. Get those. Uh, I'm also on some more podcasts. Uh, as Laura mentioned, I'm on Dice Funk. Uh, I'm in seasons five, six, and seven. You can hear me on the spinoff, Doctors. This is a new episode. And should be out by the time we hear this, I think. Um, new spinoff, Doctors, for Jumanji The Next Level. Uh, which, no, not bad. Not bad little movie. Um, uh, Boston's Favorite Son. Which, God knows, blessed, blessed Jonathan in hiding. But, oh, I've had so many thoughts. So many thoughts about how to make Jonathan famous lately. Yeah, I'm going to try and get him back for, for one sharpish because I've got too much swelling about in the old uh, brain cavity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do those with, uh, with the lovely Jim Sterling, right. uh, who has a Patreon. Yeah, I do. Really appreciated this month, considering my hospital bill for that flu oh. issue came in. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> uh, so that's been fun. Uh, definitely well-timed. Um, so that that's good. So, yeah, um, grateful for that. Of course, to, uh, you know, hopefully I can offset the dollars I've lost from the uh, fella whose uh, message we read earlier. Um, obviously, losing that support. T- times, are, times are hard and uncertain are these times. Um, and that's about it, really. I mean, there's the YouTube channel, but... Pfft. I mean, have a look at it if you want. Uh, And we'll see you next time. Uh, We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.